1: This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability, the same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Hello and welcome to the Road of His College Football Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Stéphane LeCoe, joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire, Chevy, Pepsi, Indeed, and Bet Online. You can follow the show on Twitter at Rotaviz, CFB Show. You can follow Matt at WispyTheKid and find me at StayFunLaco. Matt, how are you doing today, my man?
2: It is a good day, to say the least. Yeah, why is that? So, the Big Ten's back. Yes. Um, and before I get into my ramblings of joy, um, I have to address the elephant in the room on all this. Uh, eight games in eight weeks. Super aggressive. Um, only be able to have 5% positivity rate before you have to shut down the program for a week. That's aggressive. Um, 21 days sit outs if you test positive, but I will say they have things like you have to test positive and then have it proven as a positive test. So you won't get the risk of like false positives. That's aggressive. So I'm not super optimistic that they're going to have eight games, but now here's how I really feel. I almost cried four times today out of joy. <laughs> yes. um, at one point, Ohio State put out a we're back type of tweet with like their little video. I've watched it seven times. It <laughs> simultaneously gets me so hyped that I want to run through a wall and makes me want to cry.
1: Yeah. you said that. That's the one you sent to me. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's just good. been it's, good.
2: it's one of those days like. I've been waiting for this announcement now for 3 weeks. I've come on here every week just putting out this message of like hope and then despair and then more hope. <laughs> and I didn't get the message I wanted. I wanted October 10th, but what I I don't care. I'm going to get to watch Justin Fields set up under center, throw the ball to Chris Olave and potentially compete for a national championship. That's all I wanted. It makes like I love watching Big 12 football. I love watching the ACC. I loved, I'm going to love watching the SEC. And heck, I spent three hours of my last week watching App State played Charlotte. I love college football. It is the most pure sport out there for me. But there's something about getting to watch your actual team that you live and die for line up. And I'm so excited to see it happen.
1: Yeah, I'm happy for you. And I'm happy for me for the same reasons like this week was fun watching like football again, you know, but I did still miss like, I was like, man, I wish there were some more big games, you know? And that's what the big 10 is going to bring us. We've got some great, just some great teams in there, and, and and also like just teams that maybe aren't as good anymore, but still have like really great traditions. Like, Is this a way of just saying
2: you get to watch your team, Michigan State, lose a lot of games.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, we can't call them my people. Get confused if they hear me say I have too many teams. So, for the sake of the podcast, I only have Oregon. You only uh, have yeah. Oregon, Miami, uh... <laughs> yeah, Michigan State. <laughs> Oh, even the Razorbacks, Same. deep down in the in the nether regions of my soul. Yeah, it's uh, but no, Oregon's it's fun, the though, only man. one
2: that Oregon's the only one that if they lose, you're a little depressed the next day. Yeah,
1: oh, very depressed the next day. Um, but yes, but speaking of Oregon, like there is rumblings and rumors about a mid-November return. So, well, we'll see if that happens. And I, I hope they
2: do. I like I for what do, it's worth. I, I would love for them to come back. I, they don't. I, they won't be uh, eligible for the the playoff right. if they get three games in before, but. I don't care. Like if you're able to play and you're able to bring some happiness in an area right now, that's dealing with like wildfires that are taking out half the coast and you're Mm -hmm. able to play safely and just do something to give people something happy to watch, do it. And they like Ohio state aren't going to rely on the contact tracing, which I think is the big misunderstanding here is a lot of people think that like when players are out, they're out because they tested positive. But it also could just be, hey, you were in a room with a dude who tested positive, you're out. And that's what's been kind of torching a lot of these things. So um, I think the daily testing is an interesting idea. And if you can literally just test every single player, you don't have to contact Trace. You don't have to find out.
1: I thought that was interesting because that was one of the things that Pac-12, because they had an announcement, I think, just a Mm -hmm. bit earlier this week. That was one of the things they were waiting on. And now hearing it, that's one of the... One of the go-aheads for the Big 12, Big Ten, Sorry. excuse me. Oh, what was that? It's a Pepsi. Oh, delicious. Um, one of the things that we're waiting for in the Pac-12 is exactly what Big Ten is rolling out. So I'm, I, I'm excited. I'm hopeful. Um, real quick, before we get any further, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping here. Um, so some people have been a little bit uh, confused as to where to find this podcast. You can find this podcast in two places. We have our own separate stream on the college football fantasy podcast, which I highly recommend you subscribe to Uh, not this week, but moving forward after this week, we'll be releasing the podcast on Thursdays over there because we want to be able to talk about Thursday games as well. And then it will be on the main Rotoviz radio stream uh, Friday morning. So, Thursday afternoons on the college fan, the college football fantasy podcast, and then Friday mornings on Road of His Radio. So be checking for us there. Of course, I gave you guys the Twitter handles to follow earlier. Uh, Matt and I tweet about a lot of things, but there is football in there too. A lot of NFL for me. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's good stuff. I'm really excited. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to go through a little bit more news and notes. Uh, Matt and I are going to give you a player or players that we are moving up and moving down our boards after one well, I guess two weeks, but for a lot of these teams, it's just one week. We're going to look over our week two picks, see what went well, see what went wrong, talk about some of the players we were excited about watching. Um, and then we're going to roll right into week three games. We've got a few different ones to to look at, some players we're watching, and then we'll finish up the show with our locks, and it's going to be a good time. Uh, but before we jump into all of that, what is some of the other news and notes that you you want to give us here? You you mentioned some Michigan news uh, to me earlier. Why, why don't you hit some of that?
2: So Nico Collins, Michigan's like probably best wide receiver. They he just came out said he's signing with Drew Rouse, 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 Drew Rosenhaus and is opting out of the season to go to the NFL. Cool. I mean Rosenhaus a good player. Collins. For Devy purposes, I'm really not. Some people are really high on him. He's just a big body guy that has done okay. I'm not super impressed. I would say in a class that we're potentially looking at as being very deep, he's going to be a a late day two, early day three kind of guy. So not super big. The big one um, today from a Debbie perspective was Pat Friermuth confirming that he never really opted out. I don't know. Like there were a lot of reports that he opted out of the season and I guess he never fully confirmed it. He had a cryptic tweet last week where he tweeted himself out in full Penn State gear. And everyone was just like, well, is he really opted out? And then during an interview with the Big Ten Network today, he actually just like walked into James Franklin's office and sat down and announced that he was playing for the year. So that was fun. Um, for Ohio State, uh, maybe by quick, the time... Pat,
1: the- Pat Farnmouth is a tight end for Penn he's State. He's a tight end and
2: he's... Pro- for me, I have him as my tight end too in this upcoming Debbie class. Um, behind uh, Kyle Pitts is my number one right now.
1: Yeah. And he's a, he's a junior, so he will be eligible and he's, he was eligible eligible last year. Okay. To be honest, he was he, he he had a, he had a
2: one off year um, where between high school and college, he didn't, he had one separation year. So he was actually eligible last year. So
1: he's already scored 15 touchdowns in two seasons with Penn state. So definitely uh, an interesting guy.
2: He is dope. Um, And then because I have to mention him, it's Ohio state. um, The speculation right now is that star cornerback Sean Wade will re-examine To um, declare for the draft, he was originally uh, planning on declaring or not declaring on um, signing with an agent today at his birthday party. Sounds like that decision has been delayed um, nice. or potentially just stopped. So that is one thing. And then Wyatt Davis was pretty much immediately after making the decision sort of started saying to people that he was going to uh, return. Neither one of these guys are Debbie, they're just joy um Wyatt Davis (laughs) is a right guard he's considered to be one of the top like 15 prospects in next year's class similar to like Penny Sewell but actually not playing as valuable a position so um really excited for both of those pieces of news because well I'm a homer
1: yep no that makes sense I I am curious how it'll work if they'll let people re-examine or maybe they've already made news of this or or, uh, people who have opted I think if you haven't
2: signed or if you if you repay the money if they if they took money, then it's going to be a little more difficult because they'll just have to give it all back. Um, if they signed, I think because I mean the Chase Young thing was sort of the the idea, the like guideline process for this is once he paid back the loan, everyone was just like, "You're fine, you're good, right? Keep on moving." Um, I think that they're going to have to give people a little bit of leeway this year just because they were so screwy, um, yeah. but we'll see. I don't know. It may not be yeah. super simple, but I can tell you that in the middle of the press conference Zoom call they were having immediately followed the announcement, uh, Wyatt Davis called uh, AD Gene Smith. Gene Smith bounced out the call for a minute, was like, I got to go take this call. So I'm, I'm assuming they've already had those conversations and the fact that the Big Ten is aware um, of this type of stuff, I would expect there won't be too much of an issue.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's only going to benefit them to allow these players to come back. So let's move on. Let's, um, let's hear uh, you know, kind of a, one of your players that's moving up for you after uh, watching a little bit of football this weekend.
2: So, dude, that I've been really... Well, number one, every Big, T- Big Ten prospect is moving yes. back on my board. You just heard Chris Alave move up another draft slot. That, that happened. <laughs> um, but number one from a team that's actually played was Charleston Rambo. I've been like screaming it. his name all offseason um, when everyone is telling me that, no, 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 it's going to be Jaden Hazelwood. Then Hazelwood got injured. No, 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 it's going to be Theo Weiss. Weiss didn't do much week one. Charleston Rambo was the top returning wide receiver from Oklahoma last year. Um, he was number two behind C.D. Lamb. He was basically their guy that was the deep threat guy in his week one game against Missouri State kind of showed what he does. He had four receptions for 80 yards and two touchdowns. That's Charleston Rambo in a nutshell. Is he going to be a day one pick? Probably not. But is he going to be a late day two pick? Maybe. And that's an interesting dude. And he's the most productive one on Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, and he, like you said... He's going to have just such a great opportunity this year uh, with Spencer Rattler. My God, it's we were texting back. And How forth do you like my, uh, my Heisman pick? <laughs> yeah, that well, my breakout player. It's not like I'm down on him. Um, he uh, yeah, he definitely looked the part, though. Uh, the guy who moved up the most for me. Uh, and this is the right went- answer. Yeah, he went from, like, not really on my list to, oh, shit, where, where do I have to put him now? And that's Kyron Williams, uh, the running back for Notre Dame. I thought it was interesting. We'll talk about the game a little bit uh, here coming up. But we both had r- running backs written down for Notre Dame as our player to watch. And damn, Kyron was like, no, 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 no. It's me you want to see. And he went 19 for for 112, had two touchdowns. He added another two receptions for 93 yards. Had a, just a phenomenal game. I, I watched... Um, I didn't watch a ton of this game, but I did watch uh, the replay um, mainly of just Notre Dame on offense. And uh, he looked good. He's strong. Um, he's not tall, but he's he's powerful and he he's pretty quick. I, I, I'm I'm impressed by the sophomore. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm moving him up. I don't know how far I'm going to move him up.
2: Uh, he should be in, on, He should that... be in people's ranks now. Yeah. Yes, going into yeah. last week, he was not in anyone's ranks. Now he's someone right. you have to consider. And honestly, like I watched it uh, this morning when I was writing my article. Um, I watched a highlight of his 75 yard reception that he had. It was a nice little, it was just a little dump off screen pass, but boy, that dude saw every, he took every bit of space that was given to him. Yeah. And then the next pass, the next play was Ian book throwing a pick. So that was that game. <laughs> uh, we'll um, get into
1: some of that. Cause that was so rough. moving.
2: I, I have issues moving players down. So sure. my, my, my thing says no one really moved down, but for the purpose of this exercise, I will say two to out. Well, He only had 70 yards in the first game. I'm a little disappointed in that, but I do expect that he's going to be a guy uh, getting featured heavily against Miami. And then I mentioned him a second ago, Theo Weiss. I'm not as high on him as most people. Most people saw him as, Oh, he's a five-star wide receiver. He's going to be the one that immediately becomes CD lamb. It's, it's not Charleston Rambo, blah, 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 blah. He was like a fourth round pick in Debbie drafts over the summers. He was a guy that was, everyone was just speculating was going to be the next great guy. Um, he was pretty much ineffective against Missouri State, and he did play. And for what it's worth, their starters played a lot longer than normal because they were missing 20 players on the Oklahoma roster. So there's no excuse of like, oh, well, they pulled him at halftime. No, they didn't. Um, well, they weren't really trying. They scored 48 points. So right. um, Theo Weiss is a guy that if you were super duper high on him, I think that week one game was at least concerning.
1: Yeah, and my mine too, like I'm not moving him down terribly i'd given him a bump up because of the the injuries that had taken place in clemson and uh, so, so joseph nagata is the guy who, who i'm gonna be watching he only had he was only targeted three times he did like he did catch all of them uh but only average you know not, i guess it's a little unfair but average 16 a reception which is fine but just those three targets kind of made me nervous uh when there was two other players on the team receiving seven targets it just didn't look like they were Uh, trying to feature him. So I just kind of concerned. But again, we'll uh, we'll have a lot more time. I think more competitive games, if Clemson even has any of those this year, we'll see. Um, When they play
2: Ohio State and get smacked.
1: (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah, maybe North Carolina, maybe Notre Dame. We'll see. Uh, But but yeah, I was hoping for a little bit more uh, Nagata love in that game. And I think
2: to, to the point of he went to the other receivers, he went to his his a little more experienced guys. He went to, I believe, Amari Rogers. He went to the tight end,
1: Galloway. Um, yeah,
2: he went yep. to the guys that were a little bit more experienced in there and didn't really have the same learning curve. Nagata really was expected to be the number two guy going into this year. Then he all of a sudden was like, oh, no, I have to be the one. And now he's maybe the three. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think you're right in being a little bit worried. But I would say when they start to get that, as I, I kind of been preaching this whole time is I think offenses are going to come out a little bit sloppy, and you're going to fall back into what you know. He doesn't know Nagata as well because, realistically, he probably only threw like 15 passes to him. I'm going to assume most of Nagata's targets were actually from backups in the last couple of years. So that's, I think it's when you talk about the relationship between a quarterback and a receiver, it's easy for us to just slot the most talented guy up to the top of the depth chart and assume that he that's who he's going to go after. But realistically, he may go to the guy that he knows is.
1: Yeah, and he, I, I guess I was expecting this big jump, which is really unfair considering he only had 17 receptions in 13 games last year. Uh, so yeah, L- let's move on to some Debbie notes that you've got for us here, Matt. So what, what did you think about, and I know you've got your article coming out um, soon. If it I don't mention any of these
2: the- guys in my article. So, okay, this, is, so, this, so is this is this is a little is, podcast okay. special. Perfect. So I'm going to start with like, I'm going to go from least important uh, note guy to most important for this. So Jonathan Adams Um, senior wide receiver at Arkansas state, Arkansas state has had a habit of producing really, really, really productive wide receivers who do end up getting day three stock. I don't think this is a guy that you need to like have like written down on your sleeper list or have like ready to move up on your Debbie ranks. He's probably just going to get drafted and he's just a guy that'll find a roster spot in the NFL, but he did look really good. Um, number two, Marvin Mims. He's a freshman wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Uh, like I said, they were missing 20 players. But Marvin Mims is a freshman, was a high, I believe, a high four-star prospect. Uh, as we always mention, it's just good to see them get on the field when, in their debut. Um, but like I said, missing 20 people, how much of an impact does it have? Why is he is he going to get on the field next week when they start to get a couple of those guys back? I don't know. Uh, number three, a guy I actually do like now, a guy I'm actually interested in and say you should be moving up your Devi boards is Sir Roderick Thompson. So this is a guy, um, if you follow Debbie Twitter, you know by the guy by the name of Kyle Francis. This is one of his guys. Uh, he was one of his like later picks. If you were in like a depleted Debbie draft, he was a guy that was a little bit productive as a uh, redshirt freshman for Texas Tech, and now he's kind of taking over the lead back role for them. Um, they played Houston Baptist, so the production maybe won't be this great all year, but 22 carries, 118 yards, two touchdowns. Just a good running back. He's a redshirt sophomore. I don't think he'll declare after this year. I would guess you'll have to wait at least one more year. But as we always have been, as I kind of been saying all this time, running back's kinder not good until you get to 2023. So if he fills up a gap and becomes one of the better options in 2022, that might be a great feeling. So so
1: Thompson or Kyron, who we talked about earlier, who do you like more?
2: Kyron. Close, though. I, well... It's hard to say Kyron did absolutely nothing as a freshman. So right, I have to correct. probably say if I were drafting today, I take Thompson higher. But if I am looking for upside, I think Kyron has a higher ceiling.
1: Yeah. And real quick, before you say the last one, while you've uh, been chatting, I've been looking, I've been watching some, some of Mims highlights from high school and the dude is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> he is he's fun a free watch. No, yeah. no he's
2: going to be, he's going to be very good, but we, we know how deep Oklahoma's yes. wide receiver room is. Um, just don't expect him to like break out as a freshman. It's just good to see him get on the field.
1: Yeah. Anyway, continue. Sorry. (laughs) Number
2: one on my list of guys that I am moving up and are definitely exciting for me is Seth McGowan. Um, this is a guy that was, I believe, committed to Alabama for most of his recruiting process, uh, was a late flip by Oklahoma. He's a freshman running back, uh, again, a high four star debut game. And in this situation, I actually don't think that, means that much because as we know kennedy brooks opted out they lost Mm -hmm. trey sermon they they're a little weaker at the running back position and that's one that can be productive if you are athletic in his debut game he had nine carries for 61 yards and a touchdown and then you want to know what he did he added a 37 yard reception for a touchdown too so really really impressive debut i that's a guy that because the 2023 running backs, the like incoming freshman running backs were so good. It was hard to put them on my list. I think he's, he's going to end up in my top 60 overall players. Yeah. I, I was actually
1: curious. I mean, we talked about like with the Kennedy Brooks move in um, or opting out what was going to happen in Oklahoma. And this is just really interesting. Um, of course, uh, Marcus major, who is another freshman mark running back at Oklahoma. He, he saw more carries but did not do near as much with them, was uh, not near as exciting. So I, I like this McGowan kid. I, I'm excited to see what he can do as the season goes on. And, man, Oklahoma, the amount of just firepower that that, <laughs> that team has. What number
2: it, did you end up it, getting on the over-under, by the way?
1: 89.5. So,
2: so I feel like we have to talk about this because it's amazing. I was going to bring it up. So it was – Right, oh wait, we didn't t- have this game, but so eighty. It, you had it, it, whatever. Something stupid. We yes. were watching it. It was thirty-one nothing in the first quarter, and it was ninety-four. I think was the number you told me. Yeah, and I'm just so laughing at the it.
1: In, the in the in game bet moved up to the over under was
2: ninety-four, and I was like, and I looked can you at believe you. This? I said to you, I was like, well, Missouri State isn't scoring. Do, so do you think Oklahoma's letting their foot off the gas at some point? And I told you, I was like, they're going to name their number. My guess is they stop at seventy-five. And you yeah. got it at 80 something. So well,
1: yeah, because I saw that. I smashed the the button, but by the time it went through, it was like the number has changed. Yeah. I was like, what has it changed to? 89 and a half, I think it was. I was like, Yeah, I'm it was I'm
2: gonna do that. That was an <laughs> easy move for you, and I I was very proud of you. Yeah. So but you know what? This season, this season's gonna be a little bit different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. So I don't know about you, but I, I spent Saturday morning, I'm sitting there, I'm I, I pulled out a beverage to watch. App State and uh, Charlotte because I am a degenerate who can't watch Power 5 football even though it's on the other channel. And I will tell you what, that was the best Pepsi because my my lock pick of the week, that hit. Uh, and then the next day, I went over to my nephew's uh, birthday party. you it- I know some people like to go drink at a, at a kid's birthday party. It was noon. So I I broke out. I had another Pepsi. We kicked on the red zone channel and watched some NFL. It was a great weekend for me. Um, Pepsi is the rep is the refreshment. You need to power your way through game day and become a member of the league of football watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. And you know what I I just have to say it. Pepsi it's the perfect beverage to sit and watch my uh my football during the like afternoon slate it's the best way
1: Yeah absolutely I uh I I'm more of a Mountain Dew guy you know so like I like popping open a Mountain Dew and it's just delicious and it's, it's good. Like, of course we all like drinking beer from time to time, but like you said, uh, those early games, especially like we're not on the, well, I'm not on the East coast. So like, it's like 11 before the NFL gets going and uh, college football starts at 10. So it's, just, it's perfect. Start off with a Mountain Dew, a Pepsi, whatever it might be. And, uh, yeah, it's just a great way to, to, to get the games rolling, uh, get that energy you need, uh, to be, yeah, to be energized for watching football is a beautiful thing
2: so yeah i'm not a, a big week yeah. man yeah i i i will say it was it was a fun week yeah
1: you uh let's go through some of these games here um overall on the week um just for the picks you went i have it written down uh you went three and two so good job i went two and three less good uh you you did much better with your locks you were 66 percent on those so you were two and one and i was one and one uh, let's go through just kind of game by game and, and talk about some of the players that we were wanting to watch. So we had Georgia Tech at Florida State. Uh, Florida State was favored by 12 and a half. And of course, because this is what Florida State does to us, they just straight up lost 16 to 13. You and I were both on that. Well, maybe not the upset, but we were on Georgia Tech. Uh, J- Jameer Gibbs, who you were uh, excited about or interested in, I should say uh didn't do much zero touches i believe and terry who i was excited to see who had been climbing up my my draft board saw a healthy 29 percent target share uh but only 52 yards on you know six receptions but he had some huge drops yeah i was gonna say his drops
2: were brutal
1: oh it cost them the game it was really difficult to watch
2: um it really was as for gibbs um so there was a lot of speculation before the game that he wasn't going to play. I'm not entirely sure. There was thought that he was like a COVID person, and then all of a sudden he was warming up. So I, I'm, when you're a COVID person at this point, you're not warming up with the team. So not entirely sure why he didn't see any work. Um, maybe they just didn't want to roll out two freshmen in one game. But yeah, I was disappointed. I really wanted to see Gibbs play. I think he's, I think he's definitely their most talented running back.
1: Yeah, and their running backs that they had in the game. I mean, Sims, the quarterback, led them with rushing, and the the next closest. I mean, there was a guy, uh, Mason, uh, Jordan Mason, had you know only fifty five yards rushing. So maybe Gibbs will get some some work later. But yeah, I was
2: it's a know, name to watch. Felt, Just keep him on yeah, your radar.
1: This game felt like more of the same from Florida State. Um, really, really concerning for for the program. Georgia Tech, you know, they're they're new look Georgia Tech now. But, you know, you wouldn't expect them to come out and and lose this game. Um, Norvell's, you know, his his opening game as the coach. I did think it was pretty great that um, that uh, Jeff Sims, who was a former Florida State. Uh, recruit, committed.
2: Commit. Yeah, commit. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Mike Norvell kicked him out. He was supposed <laughs> yeah. to he was on. He was committed. Mike Norvell took the job and he said, no, nah, I don't want you, dude.
1: Oh, it's so good. It's so good and Sims uh threw a touchdown. He had a couple of bad picks, but uh, overall a good game. He threw for, you know, 277 yards and uh ran for another 64. So he had, he had a good game and they did just enough to to beat Florida State. It was it was, it was a good one.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, moving on, let's uh, talk about Syracuse at North Carolina.
2: So what did uh, the, I tell you about Syracuse? I yeah, told they you they were, sucked. They're real they were bad. bad. Um oh, man. So I would I, I would just it, moving forward, if you are going to assume like take a side that has Syracuse on it, just back off that side because Syracuse might be the worst team in the country,
1: yeah. It, in it the wasn't power Five. Good. it wasn't good. You uh, you pointed out Diam. I don't know how to say his first Diami name, Brown. Diami Brown. i Brown, that's Browning. how I'm gonna
2: say it at least.
1: Yeah, he had a good game six for 94. Uh, he was he was involved, and uh, the guy passing him the football, Sam Howell, I Didn't know what to think. I thought he looked good in the fourth quarter, which is kind of the, uh, MO on him, but he had a couple bad interceptions. I don't know. I, I wasn't overly impressed. Do you want to talk up Sam? Howell for me? What what am I missing here?
2: He's really good. And you played a lot as a freshman. Um, I mean, nah, there's, he was a really highly regarded recruit. He, he, another former, uh, former Florida state commit. Let me, let me quickly pull up his numbers just so I, I don't talk out of my hiney. Um, 9.7 AYA is a freshman 61% completion percentage as a freshman and through seven interceptions to 37 uh, touchdowns. Those are really solid numbers. When you consider the fact that North Carolina really wasn't expected to be that good. And truthfully, the team wasn't that good. He was everything. So I, I think the idea is that he is the prototypical quarterback for the NFL and he has some upside. Um, if you're asking me right now, do I think he will end the year as my top, top quarterback for 2022? Right now, I would say I don't think he will, but I think he'll be number two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess there's, there's still a lot of growth. I guess just watching him play, I didn't see in this particular game, I didn't see anything that I was like, oh my God. this. But I would also, I done.
2: would also point out the fact that we we're assuming that like every team is like Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, right. and they're just like chomping at the bit to get on the field. I'm sure there are a lot of player on, players on North Carolina that were just happy to be there, and maybe thought the season was going to get canceled at certain points, and maybe thought that they didn't have to work as hard because it was Syracuse. Who cares? Um, I I just I would say that give the give them a little bit of time. Like I've been saying, I think offenses are going to get better as the season progresses.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, what did you think of Clemson at Wake Forest? Clemson favored by 33. Uh, that We both missed out on this one. We both thought Clemson would cover, but it was actually 37-13, uh, although it felt a lot more of a blowout than the final score indicated. What did you think of this game?
2: I mean, it kind of is what it is. Clemson, they did what they needed to do. They went out and crushed them. They got a number that they felt comfortable with, and then they took their foot off the gas. Um, I will say that I was... I mean, to say you're not impressed with 14 points as a quarter is a little bit unfair because that's still absurd. But I mean, 350 yard 351 yards and I mean, three total touchdowns for Lawrence. That's somehow ho-hum. So whatever. I mean, it, it is what it is. They went out there and took care of business. I'm trying to quickly pull up. Uh, Wow, Sam Howell, the quarterback I was a little bit interested in this game going into was Sam, I'm not, that's Sam Howell, Sam Hartman for Wake Forest. Uh, I was expecting to see him do a little bit better. That defense is going to make a lot of people look bad.
1: That's true. That is true. I think my favorite, I think my favorite stat line from this game was Trevor Lawrence rushing for uh, seven rushes for minus 24 yards and two touchdowns. (laughs) That's so Trevor Lawrence.
2: I love it. That is very Trevor Lawrence.
1: Yeah, the players I was watching as we mentioned off the top was just to see what took place with the uh the receivers. And we we kind of already talked about this. The one guy we didn't mention who I know you like a lot is uh is Ladson and he he did see three targets just like Nagata did, but he was only able to haul in one of those for 21 yards. Again, it will be interesting to see uh kind of what what plays out for for Clemson, you know, as the season goes on. We probably shouldn't read too much into just one game, especially with, you know, no no typical off season and and gearing up time has been so so strange and and just off that like you said maybe uh, for for a guy like Trevor Lawrence it was easier for him to just uh, throw it to the guys he knew uh, rely on Travis Etienne who who did get 17 carries for over 100 yards and a touchdown so yeah exactly uh, so yeah, yeah so it wasn't Ajou
2: Ajou sighting and an EJ Williams sighting so they are going they are going to at least be willing to trot out their freshmen on a year when basically no one has their eligibility count. So I thought that was an interesting um, thing to see that freshmen were seeing the field since they're not, lo- I think they're not losing a year of eligibility. Pretty sure. So,
1: yeah, I have no idea how that's all. It's, it's a mess, but <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, next game that we covered uh, was Duke at Notre Dame. The, the line was minus 20 for Notre Dame and they just couldn't get it done. Uh, for a minute there, it looked like they would, but they couldn't, uh, Ian books interceptions didn't help. Final score was Duke 13, Notre Dame 27. Um, yeah. What, what did you, what did you think of this, of this one?
2: I'm mad at myself for not taking Duke. Um, only because this is kind of what Notre Dame, I should have expected them to do. Um, yeah. Ian book was Ian book. I, I think anyone at this point, who's going to tell you Ian book is some special quarterback or Ian book is this great college quarterback who can lead Notre Dame to whatever. He's just not, he's he's next on the list of these quarterbacks that have been around that are very, very good, but probably have a pretty low ceiling. Um, and they relied on maybe the best offensive line in college football and a running back that really broke onto the scene. And for the most part, they really weren't that impressive. Um, I think Notre Dame is. If this is the way Notre Dame is going to play all year, Clemson's going to beat them by three touchdowns. So,
1: yeah. I mean, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I don't know if I would take.
2: I'm uh, not saying. I, that I, line, I think but... <laughs> 17 and a half is probably you're going to get that yeah. number when that game goes yeah. around. Um, yeah, one, Chase, Chase Bryce didn't suck.
1: No, no, he looked okay.
2: Uh, he looked and okay. then we both <laughs> run running backs.
1: Yeah, yeah. Although I, I did think it was interesting, like Jafar Armstrong had a really nice reception. I think he was tackled at like the inch line. So he almost scored a touchdown, which would have been nice. Uh, Chris Tyree, who is the freshman running back that I was talking about, he did end up getting six carries. He was the the running back with the second most carries uh, behind, of course, who we've already talked about. Kyron Williams, who will probably be the story for Notre Dame going forward. One of the things uh, that I'll be looking at for Notre Dame in their upcoming matches is just like, are they willing to throw the ball downfield? Like uh, I thought, it was interesting that you know there was not out, outside of that huge um, reception for for Kyron where he took it seventy-five yards, uh, the the longest play they had was a it was a twenty-yard reception, and and just not a whole lot of explosive offense for Notre Dame. So you do wonder if they're just going to be satisfied to uh, run the ball with that offensive line, as you said, and and that might be you know this might be somewhere where we want to look for unders. Um, and if Notre Dame's favored by a lot, maybe uh, picking the other side of it. So that's something I'm going to be looking for, Trend I'll be looking for this season, at least. I will uh, say, Tyree did,
2: was out there returning kicks. And um, if you've been following Rotovis for a few years, you know that we, we do put value into that as a future Debbie thing for running backs. So returning kicks, positive. I like seeing that on the field as a freshman. Love seeing that. And honestly, what I'll say to the point of, if they're not going to throw it deep, the way this team can utilize their strengths is... Line up Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams on the field at the same time. Be creative in the way that you use them because that will, I mean, if you don't, if you can't get explosive vertical, get explosive lateral, and that's Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams.
1: Yep, uh, no, that's 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 a good point. Uh, the last game we did last week was Arkansas State at Kansas State. The line was Kansas State favoring uh, by ten and a half. They, of course, lost 35-31, and we are both on that game. You of course already mentioned the wide receiver for Arkansas State um, earlier today, Jonathan Adams. And so he he is someone to be uh, to be looking at moving forward.
2: Um, let's go why don't you go through your locks real quick, Matt? You you had a you had a nice week. So started off with the Charlotte App State um, under 59. Love that I came up with that whole thing based on looking at the wrong year. Uh, def- <laughs> I, I mentioned this. I even put it in my article that just published a minute ago um i looked at the 2018 game i i had all of this stuff i was basing off this matchup i'm like oh man charlotte couldn't put up any points app state really did whatever they wanted it looked like they controlled it and did what i mean scored at will yeah nope in 2019 they combined for like 100 and uh so that made me feel way nervous turns out it was a really sloppy game this app state team I will say Louisiana looks like the favorite in the Sun Belt right now. I would not for every year. It's really easy to say App State's going to just walk right through it. I don't think that's the case this year, but whatever. They totaled up for 55 points. That is a solid victory. Um, Duke Notre Dame under 54 and a half. Like you said, Um, this is going to be a thing to watch all year. Um, Duke playing with a new quarterback that they probably don't trust yet. Notre Dame playing with Ian Book, who nobody trusts. (laughs) that game got to 40 that was an easy win easy win um and then uh fun one the one that i actually probably had the most joy with because i lost so badly uh you you didn't have have to wait long (laughs) um texas state was playing without their starting quarterback their starting quarterback went out like an hour before the game everyone was like oh he's out I was thinking easy. What two of the worst offenses in the country last year? Matching up, no, one team's missing their starting quarterback. Heck, yes, those two teams total or got to ninety nine combined points. <laughs> I had it fifty seven and a half. Yeah, I stopped paying attention to that. I I didn't track that one after halftime because I lost. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, not not ideal. Um, so I have a confession to make. Uh, my Notre Dame minus twenty when I actually went to bet on it. I uh, I actually bet it at 13 and a half, so I got much worse um, payback or payout, but I just didn't that line still just felt a little big to me. And so the fact that it was a 14 I still can't believe you called it a
2: lock and then you bought it down.
1: <laughs> Cause I'm a cheater. Uh, so but I, but for the for the locks, I got it wrong. I'm that's that's my loss on the on the week. Uh, the Syracuse UNC under 65 and a half was a smash hit. Uh, that game only totaled 37. So that was that was nice. Uh, you know what else is nice? is is indeed you know even though sports had to take a little bit of a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever and indeed is here to help indeed.com is a number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay for what you need you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be there to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each and every month, Indeed is going to make you, you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try indeed with a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash blue wire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. And this offer is valid through September 30th. As someone who has had to do hiring in the past, I can tell you some of the other ones out there that you hear about on other websites or you hear about on other podcasts. um, There's a lot of hidden fees involved in that. So I really do want to recommend, indeed, Um, you will really find quality candidates. And with this $75 credit, it really is the best out there. All right, Matt, let's get into week three games. Let's talk about Syracuse at Pittsburgh. The over under is 50 and Pittsburgh is favored by 22. Who you got? I, I you kind of... my eyes
2: out with a spoon.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like you already kind of showed your hand with this one.
2: I don't like the only reason I'm picking Pitt is because I think Syracuse sucks. Um, re, um, I I don't have a player to watch in this game. I don't think there's anybody really of value in it uh, for Devi purposes. Um, if you if you feel the need to bet this game, bet Pittsburgh. Uh, buy the line down. Take the money line. Doesn't matter. Pitt is not, Syracuse is not going to come out and win this game.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I'm taking Pitt on this one too. Syracuse averages 2.77 yards per play. Now, maybe UNC is this amazing defense. I don't really think that's the whole story. I think to your point, Syracuse is just bad. But Pittsburgh is quite good. Um, Bill Connolly's S&P Plus has them. Um, they're D ranked uh, number two. So that could be a real problem for Syracuse. I will say two. it's
2: weighted based on recent performances and their, yeah. their first game of the year was a 55 to nothing show <laughs> of Austin P who has gotten yeah. stacked by two teams. So for as much as I, I want to give them credit and say their defense is really good. It might be. They're yeah. always, they're always troublesome for a lot of teams.
1: I have a feeling that Syracuse isn't going to make their defense look worse. <laughs> I will say um,
2: I, listen up a little bit later and you'll hear some more about that game.
1: Yeah, I um I'm I'm the player I'm watching is Kenny Pickett, the quarterback for uh Pitt. I think he's a pretty good player. He had some trouble with interceptions last year, if you control that though this will be an easy win. Also, Syracuse are 1 and 5 against the spread in the last 6 games on the road. Um and they are 2 eight and 1 against the spread in their last 11 against Pittsburgh. So let's move on to University of southern florida or south florida at notre dame the line is 25 and a half over under is 52 matthew
2: i literally just changed this pick I saw that. Uh, the answer he, i know you wanted us to fight I, I don't think notre dame's gonna run a lot of teams out if they don't change their style i still think it's early in the year they're not going to change their style yet uh in book look fine their offense um may have the best offensive line in the country until the SEC and Big Ten start. Um, I think they're going to run the ball a lot. It's hard to win by four touchdowns when you run the ball a lot. So, yeah. And player to watch for me, uh, it's Chris Tyree. Uh, hey. I know, that, I know <laughs> Kyron, Williams. Kyron Williams is the guy that's going to be the super producer. Chris Tyree is the guy to watch here exclusively because he's going to be the one that makes the, if all of a sudden their offense becomes explosive, it's not going to be because of Kyron Williams. It's going to be because they find a way to utilize Chris Tyree in an exciting way. Hmm.
1: I like that. I like that call um for him because I think he could be really fun, but uh, my player to watch is Kyron Williams. I want to see if this is legit. Also it's South Florida. So, so who knows? Um, I'm also taking USF Um South Florida are five and one against the spread in the last six games against um conference opponents which now notre dame is so that's convenient um i already talked about kind of how notre dame has been play- is maybe going to be playing a little bit slow uh utilizing that uh lovely offensive line that they have so i i think uh while they win comfortably it's not going to be by uh 25 and a half points so i uh um yeah i'm with you on usf or i should say you're with me because yeah I, let's be clear you
2: picked usf I sat there and begrudgingly switched my pick because I think USF is also terrible. USF yeah. might be garbage. I just think it's hard to beat someone by four touchdowns when you're not passing effectively.
1: Yeah, uh, Miami at Louisville. Louisville favored by two and a half. The over/under is a healthy 62 points. I'm taking Miami, and if I'm feeling extra feisty, I might go money line here. Um, again, we uh, we mentioned jokingly earlier that Miami is a team that I have a soft spot for. So I kind of overvalue them every single year, but my player to watch, D. Eric King, is super exciting. We've talked about him quite a bit on this podcast in the last two years. Um, so I'm excited to see him just run all over the place. He had a really, really good game uh, last week, so I'm expecting more from him. Uh, Cameron Harris, their running back, he went for se- he went 17 for 134 and two touchdowns last week. It'll be fun to see what they can do. Um, I am nervous about uh Louisville. Uh they they're a good team. Uh they were able to spread the ball around. Uh Des Fitzpatrick and Braden Smith um both went four for a hundred. So yeah. Tutu, as you mentioned earlier, had uh, only seventy-eight yards, but he did have seven catches. So I mean, if you're doing PPR,
2: <laughs> I'm mean, a bad if, one to look at. I will at, say but. this. If you're playing college DFS, Tutu's gonna get a lot of receptions no yep. matter what. So yep. don't panic. Um I switched this pick. Yeah, I saw not that. Not because too. I not because I want to fight with you, not because I again But I, you kind of
1: do want to pick against no, Miami don't. I don't,
2: I don't think Miami's that good. Um I don't have a justification for this. S&P plus is on Miami. They think that the line is wrong. Um but this is another I like, Miami needs to prove that they can care about games that don't matter. And this is one of those games that should matter. But does Louisville, I mean, but does Louisville really make Miami think it matters? That was a lot of words to say. Miami is a team that has a tendency to come out and fall flat in games. And I think it might be overlooking them. It's it's always a possibility, even though in reality, this should be one of those games that's probably for like the fourth or fifth best team in the ACC, because that's probably what mm-hmm. they are. And if you're looking at it here, I will say one of the other reasons is you mentioned that Louisville actually has a pretty solid passing attack. Mikhail Cunningham has been quietly solid for them. A lot of people don't know who he is because he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not going to be up for the Heisman and he was playing on a team. That's not very good. Louisville is quietly getting better. They really might be the fourth best team in the ACC. They might, heck they could be third. it, It, they really could be in that range. Um, so my player to watch in this one though, I am, there are still two Miami players that are way more exciting. Um, Brevin Jordan, and uh, I, I talked about how Pat Frymouth is my tight end two, Kyle Pitts my tight end one, Brevin Jordan's my tight end three. He's been he's
1: Derek King's favorite target. I'm
2: pretty well. Sure. And, and the truth in this is he has been the guy getting like 400 yards on an offense that's getting 2,000. So he is a he is consistently being. He was third um, in re, in receiving yards as a freshman and second last year. Neither year he got over 600 yards. His bra stats aren't amazing, but the team is using him as a receiver despite the fact they want to run a ton. So Brevin Jordan, guy to watch. He's basically the guy you're hoping becomes the next Mark Andrews. Um, and the other guy just, it's fun. I like watching players that are fun. Jalen Knighton is a freshman. Um, I have really like deep seated anger at this guy at times because he was a silent commit to Ohio state. Then all of a sudden after, like being committed and was getting ready to announce his commitment. He just flipped to Florida state when they gave him an offer, like two days prior to when he made his commitment flipped. And then when everything went to heck in Florida state, he decided to leave there and he went to Miami. So I don't really know if I like him, but he's still fun. He's an all purpose back that basically everyone is a little bit questionable of whether or not he can be a full-time running back. It'll be interesting to see if they start mixing him in again. I'm way into two running back sets. I think they're super fun. And if they want to use Harris as your traditional and line up Knighton, either in the slot as an H back, do something fun with him. That's what I want to see. So I think they'll need to get creative to score a lot of points on this Louisville team. I think if I were going to go, I'm, I, this is not one of my locks, but if I were going to go to there right now, I probably would. I think I might play the under on this game.
1: Hmm. Interesting. At 62. Yeah, I... that
2: number just feels a little bit high and I I don't think both of these teams get to the thirties. I think you're going to be looking at a game where it's like 31, 24. And that's, that's kind of where I think this game is going to be. I think you're going to struggle to get points in this one.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds, that sounds Watch
2: this get to a hundred and I feel like a dummy.
1: No, it sounds reasonable, especially with how much uh, Miami wants to run the ball. Uh, I was just looking at Miami's upcoming schedule to see if this might be a look ahead spot. And it's pretty interesting. They've got Florida State next week, which, of course, is a rivalry game. The week after that, they've got Clemson, and then they've got um, Pittsburgh. So they do have some big games coming up. So you you, you do make an interesting point there. Um, so maybe I won't go Moneyline on this one, but I'm still going to go Miami. Uh, next up, we have UCF at Georgia Tech. Um, again, we talked a little bit about uh, Georgia Tech earlier today. Uh, who do you got in this one and uh, some players you're watching?
2: So I actually... I'm really interested in this matchup because for UCF, this is the kind of game where we're not getting a lot of non-conference games. Like you're, if you're UCF, if you want to always walk around and claim you're the national champion and claim that you're just as good as the big boys, when you get these rare opportunities to go up against an ACC opponent, you have to steamroll them. You can't just beat them by three points. You can't squeak by, you need to go out there and beat them. And this is a matchup. And while I think the story last week of Jeff Sims was a lot of fun, he threw two really bad picks. That yeah. offense is still sort of trying to get itself figured out because of the fact that they've been for what a decade and a half, the team that runs the triple option. And yeah, they brought in a new coach and all this new stuff, but they got a lot of players who were still from that old regime. So you're talking about a team that has to completely flip In UCF. We've seen it over the past like four or five years. They've been explosive on offense, and the guy that I am most interested to watch is a guy that I wrote about 752 times last year, uh, Dylan Gabriel. He Fre- started as a freshman last year, loved watching every moment of him. He did have two All-American receivers to throw to, and he doesn't anymore. I'm a little bit worried about whether or not he'll be amazing in that sense, but at the same time, I I just think that their offensive firepower is going to look a whole lot more impressive then what Florida state brought to the table last week. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with UCF. Uh, the one thing that makes me a little nervous is that UCF did have uh, 10 players opt out. Uh, that's significant. Um, and uh, Dylan Gabriel is breaking in some new receivers. Uh, we know that one of them, uh, Gabriel Davis is uh, with the bills. Correct. Didn't he get drafted by the bills? I believe so. I think so. he's still on their roster. Uh, UCF is four and one against the spread in the last five non-conference games while the Yellow Jackets are 0-6 in their last six non-conference games. So give me UCF. Uh player I'm watching is quarterback who we've already mentioned, Jeff Sims. Curious to see what he can do against this defense. Um, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd, like, will, I'd like for him to be a thing.
2: For as much as I crushed him for his like his picks, and I'll say that it wasn't super impressive or whatever against a team that may have lost, he might be the best player that has ever gone to... Um, Georgia Tech. He really might be the most talented quarterback they've ever had. Yeah, you said player. I'm guessing you meant quarterback, huh?
1: You said he might be the best player they've ever had. I'm guessing you meant talented quarterback, not like, like Demarius Whatever. Thomas, Johnson, baby. Go to hell. Um,
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I like that. I went with Demarius Thomas, and he went with Calvin Johnson. I went with the
2: right answer. No, yes, you I mean, did. <laughs> he's one of the most talented quarterbacks they've ever had, and i I think that he will be a player to keep an eye on because I think this offense is going to switch from what we've known to being something that's a little bit more modern. And if he is the guy that he has shown himself to be in it, if nothing else, they could have lost that game when he threw those picks, that game could have gotten away from him. They were definitely a less talented team and he showed enough poise to win that game. So
1: yeah. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. It's a fun one. We got one more before we get into our locks, and I put this one on the slate just so we can talk about Chuba Hubbard. We've got I Tol- you went Chuba. What
2: of all the people in this game? I love Chuba Hubbard, but there's a dude who came back for a senior year that is potentially way more overlooked than Chuba, and that is yeah, Wallace.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. I actually have a little, a few shares of Tylen Wallace, and I'm excited to hear you talk about him. But I mean, Chuba's in the conversation around Heisman type talk and, and running back one. So that's, he's he's the story here. Come on now. You're the original Chuba Hubbard. I I love
2: Chuba Hubbard. Believe me, Chuba Hubbard is a top seven pick in like every Debbie draft. You should do. He's that good. He's the leading rushing player from last year, but Tylan freaking Wallace is going to be the story here. He is coming back from an ACL injury. He returned back from college and truthfully, when you looked at this whole offseason, how quickly were you sitting there thinking, when's Tyler Wallace going to opt out? It feels like of all the people Tylen Wallace, no, Tyler Wallace wants to come back here and dominate. I think he had like a 50% dominator or something silly when he got injured last year. That dude is, if Spencer Sanders becomes a thing, it will be because of Tyler Wallace. That is how good he is. I think that he is just dangerously overlooked in Debbie drafts at this point, he's, I, I don't even know if I have him me personally. I think, I think he's late second round for me. And that's gross because I, I went back and looked at his numbers. That guy's going to be a star in the NFL and I cannot wait to see it. And I don't so, know if I can, as much as I love Chuba. I don't know if I can say Chuba Hubbard's going to be a star.
1: Ooh, wow. Well, first, uh, The line is 23. (laughs) Are you taking Oklahoma state or Tulsa?
2: (laughs) Oklahoma state will pick their number. They will win by whatever they want. It will be, if I had to guess an actual uh, like score, I'm guessing this is like 51 to nothing.
1: Oh my God.
2: (laughs) And that's Oklahoma state's offense or Oklahoma state's defense might suck. And they still might hold them to zero.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a big, (laughs) you're crazy. I love it. Um, I, I also am I'm picking Oklahoma State. Um, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, Tulsa is only returning three starters um, on defense, and their defense was mediocre at best last year. So that could be uh, troubling. Uh, they are bringing in some transfers, though, so so maybe that'll help. I don't know. It's, it's a big question mark for them is, uh, that their defensive unit will be something to watch. Um, but my player I'm watching is actually who you mentioned, the quarterback Spencer Sanders uh, for Oklahoma State. He had a very up and down year. He is someone that people want to hype up big time. Uh, his 11 interceptions did scare me off just a little bit, but again, he was a freshman. I'd like to see what kind of jump he makes this year. Um, and and uh, it'll be really interesting to see. Of course he, he can, can run pretty well. He had a uh, 628 yards rushing last year and uh, two touchdowns. So uh, he, he, he will get moving. He, uh, he averages over 10 carries a game. So, uh, yeah, be interesting to see. I'm, I'm really excited to see what Spencer Sanders does. I am not a believer yet, which is why I want to watch this to see uh, why so many other people are, are uh, excited about him. Um, again, not necessarily for Debbie, but uh, just
2: for uh, football I, in general. I think he's a guy that may eventually become a Debbie guy. Yeah. I'm not, I don't think he, I don't think you're, if you are playing Debbie right now, you should not be looking at Spencer Sanders as a guy that will be a top three round draft pick next year. He's the
1: wrong Spencer at quarterback.
2: (laughs) He is very, very good. If you are looking at him as like your savior at the quarterback position, he ain't it. He might eventually become a viable backup in the NFL. I do think he's got a lot of talent. And honestly, I love a good YOLO QB that runs the ball a lot. And he's a QB.
1: Yeah. And of course, like only a freshman, he has, he has a lot of potential. Like, Yeah. It's still really early to tell. Uh, let's jump into our locks. I'm going to go first because I've got one more than you this week, uh, Just- which I have a feeling you'll add one by, <laughs> by the time we get to it. Um, my game, like I think you mentioned this earlier, like if you were going to bet on the Miami-Louisville game, well, I am betting on the Miami-Louisville game, and I am taking under 64 and a half. Uh, between- <laughs> this was on the show, Doc, well before that, sir. Um, S&P Plus has this total at about 56 points which that's a pretty significant difference there. So I like that. Uh, The total has gone under in 13 of Miami's uh, last 20 games. Um, And Louisville ran ran the ball uh, 38 times last week. Miami ran it 52 times. Uh, That's a total of 90 rushes between those two teams. I don't know if we'll hit that number again, but it just shows that these teams don't mind doing the running game. And as we know, uh, running the ball moves that clock.
2: Uh, Give me the under. I feel pretty good about it. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll go with the game we already talked about. So Pitt Syracuse. Remember how I said that Pitt was really like super inflated because they had a fifty five to nothing win. I'm yes. pretty sure that's why this line is where it is. Syracuse scored six points last week. Pitt scored fifty five. So their combined first week gets them to six points of, or to what eleven points over this, and now they have to play a competition that is kind of in their own range. Pitt was has the 11th worst over percentage since 2018. Uh, Syracuse scored six points in week one, and s Plus has this game at 47 points. I don't need a ton of reasoning for this other than to say that Syracuse isn't going to score a lot of points, and Pitt is not the team that's going to score 55 points. So give me an under. So you're going under, under 50.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, my next one is UCF at Georgia Tech. I'm going UCF minus seven and a half. We talked about this game already. I think this is a smash hit. I've actually already bet this one just in case the line kept moving because um, I liked this number where it was at. Um, of all the games highlighted on uh, s and Plus, I think this one is the one where he felt most strongly um, in in uh, in favor of like, uh, I think he had the line at like 10 and a half different than what it was. So I, I just feel good about this one. Um, and it will give me some, some real motivation to, to watch a game that, you know, otherwise I, I might just kind of browse in and out, but I'll be, uh, I'll be glued to this one. You're up, buddy.
2: I see you adding more games to that's your doc. One and, and that's a Homer pick and I'm sorry to make a Homer pick, but I don't really care all that much. So, uh, we'll go with Navy Tulane under forty eight and a half. I know what you're thinking. My under numbers keep getting lower and lower. It's <laughs> so these two teams both like to run offenses that actually require a pretty strong understanding of the system. Uh, Tulane runs um, kind of a spread option. They're a little bit weird. They don't run your traditional option where you line up like a bunch of big dudes and just try and run. Um, they run it as a little more spread. It's a little more creative. Willie Fritz, great coach. Can't wait until he gets a huge job. Navy. What do they do? They run the triple option. You know what they don't do? They don't tackle. So they were really bad in their debut. Uh, Tulane also really not that impressive. They had a very, I think they squeaked by against somebody terrible in their first game. So as we I have been putting out there into the universe, early season unders, early season unders, teams don't know how to run their offenses yet. This is one of those situations where it's a complex offense. Neither one of these teams looked particularly good in the start of the year. If Navy hasn't started tackling yet, as I don't know what they're going to do. 'Cause you need to tackle in football. So I, I option team unders, whole lot of clock movement.
1: Uh, Tulane not only beat South Alabama, they rallied to beat South Alabama. Yeah. So you watch you watch your besmirchment of the great Tulane.
2: One second. Um, no, Did I, I say that they didn't win? I believe I said no, they no, were, no, it's no, not impressive. No, you said they the won. South Alabama team that had 33 was I believe South Alabama was the team that had 33 players missing. So no, no, I was making
1: a point uh, for you in sarcasm as I do. All right. My next one, Appalachian state minus four and a half at Marshall app state are seven and one against the spread in their last eight games um, on the road when playing on a Saturday. So um, this number is pretty small. Four and a half points does not scare me at all. Uh, last week they were able to run the ball for over 300 yards. I, I like this team. I, I don't think that number is going to be too difficult. I was actually. Um, I think the only reason you didn't um, pick this as one of your locks is because I think just like by principle you refuse to take any overs, um, or you know like you don't like going with uh, with with favorites too much. So it just didn't I, feel on brand for you. But App State minus four and a half for me.
2: I will say I almost picked a favorite in the article piece today. Oh, I, I almost picked UCF over Georgia tech in my article that went out. Yep. Um, and the only reason I didn't, I felt a little gross. And then my justification was Dylan Gabriel's dope. So yep. I did almost pick, I, I, as much as I like this app state team and as much as I think they have a ton of talent and can run the ball, I will say I am concerned about the way they looked. They looked sloppy and I know the weather got a little bit rough and I know it was week one. But they I th- they're a, like plug in play type of running back offense. And I don't know if the running back they have there right now is as talented as they've had over the last couple of years. So I am moderately concerned. Now, which running back are you referring to?
1: Marcus oh. Williams or um, Cameron Peoples? Because both of them had over 100 yards
2: rushing. I mean, time. they both played. Yes, but I would expect you to have over 100 yards. They were both very good, but they weren't. I don't know. I uh, no, we'll we'll did not feel super explosive as it has been. And okay. I would like, I would say the team rushed for 308 yards. That was exactly what we expected. Charlotte was a bad rush defense. They don't pass the ball. If they weren't over 100 yards, I would be ter- terrified. Marcus Williams to me looks like he's fine. Cameron Peoples is not anything special. All right. All right. All my we'll no way of saying. I don't know. I just didn't think he looked that good in the moment because the team didn't... Are you
1: wanting to fight me on this? Are you going to take no. the opposite of no. this? No. no. I'm thinking Marshall fighting. plus four and a half?
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. A- what, what's your next Stop one? Stop trying to bait me into a pick. All right. <laughs> Louisiana Tech, Southern Miss, under 58. Hey, guys, I moved up in points. I'm over 50 now. All right, so both of these teams last year were under 50% on overs. Um, Sorry. And last year, well, stretching back to last year, uh, Southern myth is miss is 10 and four on unders, which is fifth best in the country. SP plus has this game at 55. I just think that this is going to be another one. I don't really know how they're going to score all that. Well, I would guess that it's not a huge like scoring game. No. Yeah. My logic is, is really these teams don't score offenses have been bad. These teams won't score.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Um, I have one more, uh, right, one more, one more lock before we're uh, before I'm done, and you can tell me if you've found any more. Um, I've got Houston at Baylor. The line is four and a half. Uh, give me Baylor minus four and a half. I I really like uh, their offense. Um, I like Charlie Brewer. I think he's a fun quarterback. I'll be interested to see how he can connect with R.J. Snead now that Mims is gone. I think Snead is the main man there, and I think he could uh, carve out a nice role in this offense Um, their new head coach uh, fresh off his national championship win with LSU is now the defensive coordinator. I think Baylor's defense has, has been pretty decent. I I expect them to be able to shut down Houston fairly, fairly well. Uh, Baylor is five and one against the spread in their last six games. Houston is three and eight against the spread in their last 11. So I, I like those numbers. Um, the Cougars ranked outside the top 120 schools in the country in passing yards allowed um, and surrendered 35 and a half points per game against FBS uh, schools. Um,
2: give me Baylor minus four and a half. I'm really just trying to let this sink in. You're, you're taking a first game coach. Yeah. That's give bold, it to me, baby. That's a bold move. He's got so nowhere to go. Mean, but what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a first game coach. Um, so if I didn't express this a lot, uh, as much as I think Duke is good and that they were an okay team, I really, they didn't do that much. They, um, in a game that seemed very winnable and a one where they didn't have to score a lot of points, they didn't score a lot of points. Um, so Duke is now having their home opener against Boston college SME plus has this game as a pickem or very close to a pickem. The only reason that they are end up projecting Duke is is just their standardized two and a half point uh, for a home favorite. I don't believe there's going to be fans in the crowd. If there are, it's going to be very minor. I don't think you'll get a huge home field advantage for this. Um, Boston college is getting an influx of talent. They have, I believe he was a former five-star quarterback, Phil Jerkovich from Notre Dame. I don't know that he's a special quarterback, but he's definitely the best quarterback that Boston college has had in a while. And then, like I said, I don't think Duke's offense is very special. And Boston college hired a really good defense of mine, um, to coach defense. Jeff Halfley was the former or to be their head coach, but Jeff Halfley was the coordinator that flipped Ohio state's defense from arguably the worst defense Ohio state had in a decade to the number one defense in the country. So I believe that that will make Boston. It will solidify Boston college's, um, ability to defend and in this spot, I don't think Duke's going to be able to score a lot of points. And I think that with Jerkovich and the guy who I'm watching in this game, Jalen Gill, um, I think that between those two players, you'll see a little bit of scoring out of Boston college and they'll do enough to cover. I don't think I would outright pick them to win, but if you're giving me five and a half points, I'm taking five and a half points.
1: I actually, I actually had looked at this game. Um, but to be honest, I didn't know enough about Boston college to, to really Buy in completely but i'm liking the storyline that you're presenting
2: um i can make a, I like lot a lot of stories sound very good
1: no this sound one sounds good and i like you know i think this is your first bet of the season that is not an under so congratulations Jeez, i should probably <laughs> mix it up a little bit more oh no it's great uh, this is only our second week of picks well there we have it we've got uh format we've got the pit syracuse under 50 navy tulane under 48 and a half Louisiana tech Southern miss under 58 and Boston college plus five and a half at Duke for me, Miami Louisville under 64 and a half UCF minus seven and a half at Georgia tech app state minus four and a half at Marshall and Houston at Baylor minus four and a half. I'm doing one under and then a bunch of favorites because I love favorites. I love favorites as much as you love unders. I think.
2: Yeah. And this is a good year for favorites, to be honest. I think that this we are going to start to see a class separation of haves and have nots. Yeah. So this might be a good year to bet favorites. So you might see me do a lot of totals because I can't talk myself into favorites unless it's like Ohio State. <laughs> that's true.
1: That's true. Well, This is good, man. I'm excited. Hey, next week, we're going to have some SEC games on the slate to talk about, to bet on and to uh to enjoy so it's fun we're we're getting closer and closer of course the big news of the day for for matt of just celebrating his big 10 return it's going to be lovely any final words for the, the listeners matt
2: i believe you know you should all buy chris alave and
1: now more than ever actually probably last week right
2: before uh this news broke right been the best guy. down <laughs> my ranks like two spots that's when you probably should have bought now rebuy or if you didn't buy him then buy him fast
1: yeah, absolutely. Maybe someone's uh, not, not not aware of what just took place. Well, thanks so much, Matt. Uh, that was good stuff. I'm excited uh, for this week of football. Guys, uh, check out Matt's column over on Rotoviz. Of course, check out Rotoviz's tools and apps. That's where we get a lot of our information. And of course, if you sign up, you can get a 10% off. So so do check that out. We're excited for this week. Um, join us again next week. Again, uh the, the feed will go live on the Rotoviz. Uh, mainstream on Fridays but on our specialized feed it will be out on Thursdays. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA and the NHL are playing for gold and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action including new NBA bracket contests with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Sugar
0: Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.